right. Well, welcome Everlast. We doing good tonight? Good. Well, my name is Tina. I am the young adult coordinator here, and Kevin uh, is my husband, uh, who was the MC earlier, who is our young adult pastor. And man, it is good to be back. Uh, just as Kevin said, we were out on vacation last week, uh, but we have been looking forward to tonight. Uh, and being back with y'all. So excited for that. Um, and also, we're super excited because we're starting our brand new series, Promises. And so, yeah, you can woot for that. Um, and I just want to quickly uh, share with you, before we get started, the heart behind this series. Uh, the heart behind this series is for you to know the promises of God. Um, to then know how to apply the promises of God and to remember those promises uh, when you need them the most, right? Whether that is making a big decision, whether that is going through a trial or tribulation, uh, or even when you're faced with temptation, right? We have to know, remember, and be able to apply the promises of God. And so, Throughout uh, this series, we're going to be doing just that. Uh, we're going to be going, uh, going through several scriptures and promises that, that God gives to us to cling to, uh, to hold on to, and to use for our good and his glory. And our hope and prayer is that you would leave encouraged by the word of God, uh, you would leave transformed by the word of God, and you would leave armored up through the promises he gives us through his word. And so tonight, we are starting off this series with God's promises in the waiting. Uh, God's promise to, promises to us as we wait. And so we're going to be answering questions like, what does God's word say about waiting? Uh, what are his promises to us in the midst of waiting? And how do we go about applying those promises as we wait on the Lord? And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Jeremiah 17. Uh, we're going to be going through verses 7 through 8. Uh, and we are going to be going through several different passages of Scripture tonight. This is just one that we're going to first uh, start in. So you can be uh, following along with me through your Bibles, flipping through several passages of Scripture but we're going to start with Jeremiah 17. And so uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Well, Father, we, um, God, we just come before you right now. Um, Lord, I, I ask, God, that um, your will would be done in and through this place tonight. Lord, I ask that you would just remove uh, any distractions, Lord, um, uh, whether that's we came from a long day today and maybe we're not mentally here yet. Um, Lord, I pray that you would even just uh, remove distractions of even just uh, at times the people next to us, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, we would be able to solely focus on you tonight and what you have to say to us through your word. Father, uh, we love you. God, we ask that you would speak to us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I mentioned earlier that uh, Kevin and I were out on vacation last week. And one of our favorite uh, go-to spots when we just want to get away, unplug, and get refreshed in the Lord is a place called Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Yes. Amen. 
We have some fans. It is awesome. And one of the reasons I love Universal Studios is that it is one of the only attractions or amusement parks uh, that I will actually ride the rides, right? That I actually can enjoy and participate in the rides. Uh, if you know me or have heard some of um, my roller coaster stories in previous messages, you know that I'm not a huge fan of big roller coasters, right? It's not my jam. I don't want to black out or pass out on a roller coaster to each his own. Uh, but universal rides are mainly family-friendly rides, meaning predominantly they stay on the ground, which is awesome. That's not that's not entirely true, but you get the point. Majority of the rides aren't too crazy uh, for me. I'll go on them. And so anyways, uh, Kevin and I love to go, and because we love to go, we have in uh, our marriage been quite a few times. And so we know when to go and when not to go because of the crowds. And so this past week, we went at a time uh, when crowds weren't as bad as they uh, typically are in like the summer months or spring break because kids are still in school. Uh, and so uh, this last week, though, um, even this last week, going at a, at a good time, the crowds were still pretty busy. We would be waiting in line for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half, and that's a good day. Uh, if you want to ride a specific ride, right, you have to wait in line. And, and no one likes to wait, right? I have never been in a line and have found someone that is excited about the time that they get to wait, right? You, you never have been in a line and heard someone say, dude, I get to wait for Velocicoaster for two hours. Let's go high five, right? That, that doesn't happen. That's not a thing. Right, you usually hear the opposite. Like, gosh, how much longer do I have to wait? Or, okay, we've waited in this line this long and this is not what the original post time of the time they said we were gonna be wait, right? No one likes to wait. Uh, and, and because of that, that's why Universal has things like express passes where you can fast track your waiting time, right? You don't have to wait as long. That's why Universal has its own app where you can filter through the waiting time of each ride to see how long the wait is for that ride. And then you can set a notification to your phone to where if you only want to wait 30 minutes for Green Gots instead of the 90 minute wait that it is, it will send an alert to your phone and say, the line is now 30 minutes and you can go wait in that 30 minute line. The reason for that is waiting isn't something that majority of people enjoy. We live in a fast-paced, instant gratification, grub-hub at your door kind of society. And it starts in us even when we're young. Just to really drive this point home, if you're sitting here at all tonight like, man, Tina, I don't really have an issue waiting. I just have a quick 45-second video we're going to watch. And then after that, we'll reconvene. So you can go play that video. Look at me. You can have cruise decks, but you can't have them right now, okay? You gotta wait. You gotta wait until mommy and daddy come back, okay? You can't eat these yet. You gotta wait until we come back. I'm gonna leave them right here. Don't touch them. Wait, okay? We're gonna come back. Don't eat them yet. Don't eat them. We'll be right back. We just gotta go get something. Just, 
so good. Point proven, right? It is hard to wait, especially when you're a kid and have delicious candy staring you in the face. I love that video for many reasons. I laughed when I first saw it because we all have had that friend at some point in our life that encourages us to do things that we shouldn't do, right? That gives you this look and you're like, let's, let's go for it, right? Everlast, let me just encourage you quickly, find the friend uh, that will hold you back from the delicious fruit snacks as tempting as they are because they know what's best for you, right? Can, can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Um, I also love this video because it shows just how impatient we are, especially for the things we want, right? We don't want to wait on something that we really want or desire. And for you, it may not be fruit snacks necessarily, but it's marriage, right? You long to be married and enjoy the gift that it is. And yet you find yourself sitting here tonight, still single and tired of waiting. Maybe for you, it's not marriage, but it's health. And I can just so empathize, uh, empathize with that. Uh, this uh, upcoming Saturday will be a year marker for me since I've walked through and experienced my own uh, difficult uh, physical health issues. And it feels like it's been a long time of waiting for full healing. And some of you are in a similar se- waiting season for physical health. Some of you, it may not be so much as physical, but it's mental. You have walked through anxiety or depression, and it may feel like you've walked this road a long time, battling and waiting. Maybe for you, it's waiting on a job, uh, kids. Maybe it's the unknown, right? You're in this season of, I'm not sure what I'm waiting for, but I know this season's coming to an end, and I don't entirely know what the next season looks like, and so you find yourself waiting. Waiting is inevitable. It's unavoidable. It's something we will all experience, and everlasting waiting is also something that will show and reveal what you know and believe about the promises of God. Waiting will show and reveal what you believe about and know about the promises of God. And so I'm just going to ask you uh, to do something for me real quick. I want you to think about what you're waiting on uh, right now right? What is something you want or desire that is a good uh, biblical thing uh, that you are currently waiting on? Uh, Maybe you've already come out of that season of waiting, so I want you to think about uh, that past season of waiting. And if you were to look back at that time of waiting or your current situation of waiting, something you are currently waiting on, when you think about that, would your attitude choices, uh, decisions you made, uh, things that were spoken from your lips, things that you dwelt on or thoughts that came in, would, would those actions reflect, say, and show someone who uh, in the waiting knows the promises of God and one who believes in those promises of God? Would someone say, man, she is in a season of waiting. Man, he is in a season of waiting. But wow, they show and they know the promises of God. Would that be said about you? Because more often than not, the reason we don't like to wait, that the reason we are bad at waiting 
is because either we don't know what the word says about the promises of God, or we just don't believe them. And so if you are taking notes tonight, based off of God's word, we are going to be going through several promises of God that he gives us that allows us to do three things. There's three points tonight. His promises allows us to trust God in the waiting. It allows us to rest in God in the waiting and allows us to rejoice in God as we wait. So first point, again, if you're taking notes, because of God's promises, I can trust him in the waiting. Jeremiah 17, uh, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Verse 8 goes on to say, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease. And I love uh, this passage of scripture, uh, these couple of verses, because it is a promise to us that for those who trust in the Lord, that one, they will be blessed. And two, that when heat comes, or in other words, when trials come their way, uh, that fear is no longer a go-to. Right? It's no longer something that they retreat to. And that in the year of drought or in the year slash season of waiting, anxiety isn't something you run to. For those who trust in the Lord in the season of waiting, his word promises that your leaves will remain green. Meaning you aren't dry or weary, right? Um, you know that plants, if they don't get their source of sunlight or water, what happens? They become droopy, that they wither. But when we trust in the Lord, our main source in the waiting, it says that your leaves will remain green, right? You will do well in the season of waiting. God promises that those who trust in him will be blessed. And that is a promise for you in the midst of your waiting. And the reason for that is because God is the blessing. Right? We don't trust the Lord so that we receive blessings. We trust the Lord because he is the blessing. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. You see, our trust isn't in the promise alone, but our trust is rooted in the promiser. I trust God's promises because I trust him. And I trust him because I know him. And listen, if you don't know God, who he is, uh, what his word says about him, and what his promises are, then it's going to be hard to trust him. I'll just give you another example, and it's going to be a universal example. Kevin and I's first ever universal trip we took a couple years ago. And there is a ride that is an indoor ride where you can't see the roller coaster at all. You, You don't get to know what it looks like before you get on it, right? This is nightmare for Tina. But Kevin, being the sweet husband that he is, did all this research on majority of all the roller coasters so that he would be able to do his best to gauge, is she going to be able to handle this or not, right? So essentially, I'm trusting my husband with my life here, right? And so the reason I trust Kevin 
especially when it comes to roller coasters, is because I know him, right? I know he wouldn't put me in danger. I know that he's for me. He has my back. He's my protector, right? He wants me to have fun and enjoy the trip, not put me on something that's going to keep me from riding anything ever again. That, that's not Kevin's heart. Kevin's intentions are the best for me. And listen, that ride ended up being instilled to my day. It, to this day is my absolute favorite ride at Universal. You see, the reason I trust Kevin is because I know Kevin, right? I have grown in my relationship with Kevin. I wouldn't trust a stranger, someone I didn't know, to tell me if they thought that I could ride that roller coaster or not. I trust Kevin because I know him. And for those who know God, trust God, right? I can't trust God if I don't know God, and I can't know God if I don't know his word. God's word was given to us so that we would know him and have a relationship with him, so that we would know his promises, especially in the midst of hard seasons and seasons of waiting, We read the Bible to know his promises and to enjoy the God of those promises. I love how author John Bloom says it. He says, God is not interested in our Bible reading as some kind of ritual to perform as proof of our religion. He wants us to read the Bible so that we will see him. God wants us to see his glory again and again and again. Right? Our purpose in reading the word is to see Jesus in the scriptures, to know the Jesus of the scriptures, to worship the Jesus of the scriptures, to see the characteristics of Jesus in the scriptures, and to know the promises of God and to have relation with, relationship with and trust the God of those promises. The, the reason we trust God in our waiting is because we know him, and therefore we trust him. And therefore, because we trust him, we trust in what he says through his word. We have to know God's promises and trust that his promises are true. Lamentations 3.25, if you're taking notes, is just another really great promise uh, that you can uh, hold on to, memorize, um, and, and, and cling to in the midst of you're waiting. Uh, Lamentations 3.25 says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. He promises to us in our season of waiting that he is good to those who seek him and wait on him. That word good in the Hebrew trans, uh, translated uh, is tov, which means pleasant, kind, favor, Uh, fair, rich, best. So it's saying God is good, pleasant, kind, rich to those who wait on him. Which means I can trust him because he is good to me. I can trust him in the waiting because he promises his goodness, which also means, listen, this is huge, which also means that I don't have to worry or try to take matters into my own hands. Uh, The key words in that verse is to those who wait for him. We have to wait for him. It's not us trying to take control of the situation or us speed up the process. It's us waiting on the Lord. When we trust the Lord, we will wait on the Lord. When we don't trust the Lord, we tend to take matters into our own hands. And listen, this is not saying we shouldn't be proactive, right? If you're looking for a job and... 
waiting on the Lord to provide, that doesn't mean you're sitting on your couch all day watching Netflix, just waiting for the Lord to drop a job in your lap, right? Without plans, little of enduring value gets accomplished. Proverbs 16, 9 says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps, right? We plan, and then the Lord leads and guides our steps, But the issue is, and where we often fail, is that when it comes to waiting, we try to rush the process instead of waiting on God through the process. And let's just take, uh, I'm going to take singleness for an example, not trying to pick on singles in the room, Uh, but we have a lot of single people. And I've talked with many of you who are uh, ready for marriage tired of waiting or feel like you've waited long enough and therefore you feel the temptation to try and rush the process. And that can look like downloading uh, every dating app, except for maybe the ones that cost money, right? Uh, Then you find yourself maybe talking with multiple different people or going back and forth from deleting the app to re-uploading the app to deleting the app to re-uploading the app without any regard to taking the time to stop and pray and ask the Lord, is this really what you want me to do? You're so worried and consumed with the thing that you're waiting on and desiring that you're completely missing out on the gift of singleness that it really is. If you don't believe me, you can go check out, we did a dating series on our podcast where we expound on singleness through God's word. Or maybe for you, um, taking control of the situation looks like not doing anything at all, right? It looks like I'm giving up on waiting on the Lord. And so what we do is we make an idol out of what we're waiting for, and every passing day is another log on the fires of bitterness, comparison, impatience, envy, ingratitude, or even resentment against the God who won't give us what we want. John Piper said it best when he said, waiting on the Lord is the opposite of running ahead of the Lord. And it's the opposite of bailing out on the Lord. It's staying at your appointed place while he says stay, or it's going at his appointed pace while he says go. It's not impetuous, meaning uh, impulsive, and it's not despairing. When we trust the Lord, we are willing to wait on the Lord and then therefore surrender over our desires and wants to him as we trust in his timing and goodness he promises to those while we wait. Everlasting, let your waiting say, I trust you. That, that your actions would reflect one who knows the promises of God and trusts the promises of God. Because of God's promises, we can trust him in the waiting. Second point, if you're taking notes. Because of God's promises, I can rest in the waiting. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Uh, That word heavy laden in the Greek means uh, to place a load and burden upon. 
And when I think about the weight of our burdens and the heavy load uh, that it feels like at times, especially in our season of waiting, uh, my mind immediately went to this imagery. I don't know if uh, we have any Survivor TV show fans in the room. It's so good. My whole household loves this show. We are currently caught up and watching the new season right now. It's amazing. It, that may age us a little bit, but it's awesome. But there is a challenge they do called shoulder the load. And I think we have a picture. Yes. Okay. This is a challenge called shoulder the load. And basically, the contestants have this long pole, as you can see, draped over their shoulders in the picture. And on the ends are weighted sandbags with different weight. So the contestants will continue to place more weight on the player's shoulders the longer they have to wait. The longer they endure the challenge, the longer they stand there waiting for someone else to drop. Bags continually get heavier and heavier and heavier, and their shoulders feel the load and weight of what they are carrying the longer they wait. And I think this imagery just so applies to us in the waiting at times. That the longer we wait, sometimes feels like more burden, more bags is being stacked on our shoulders and it becomes weary and heavy laden. And the Lord says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, carrying that weight that is on your shoulders and I will give you rest. That verse goes on to say, in exchange uh, for that rest, uh, take my yoke upon you, which is easy and light. God promises us that he will take that heavy burden off your shoulders and give you rest. And some of you in the room tonight are worn down by the worry, the what-if scenarios, the thoughts that you're constantly battling, the cares of this world in the midst of waiting, and you are in desperate need of some rest. Scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Something that is noteworthy in this verse is that this verse doesn't say cast one anxiety, cast one worry, or some things you can go to God with. It's plural, implying we have many cares and anxieties. And the word of God is saying, God wants them all. Every anxiety, every worry, every fear, every what-if scenario, every restless and stressful thought you have, he wants them all. Which is why the scripture says to cast our anxieties upon him. The Greek word for cast means to literally or figuratively throw upon. Uh, our anxieties are to be casted and not carried like the uh, shoulder labor challenge from Survivor, right? They're not to be carried. Luke 19.35 gives us just a great illustration of this. Uh, in Luke 19.35, it's Palm Sunday, and the disciples have been sent to get the donkey for Jesus to ride on. And it says in Luke 19.35, they brought it to Jesus and casting their garments on the colt, they set Jesus on it. 
So what's happening here, if you can imagine the scene, is his disciples are casting and throwing their garments on this donkey so that instead of them carrying the load, the donkey is now carrying the load for them. And in the same way, God is willing and ready to carry your anxieties the same way the donkey carries their garments and baggage. When we throw our anxieties onto him, when we share with God all of our worries and concerns and struggles in the midst of waiting, he promises rest. Isaiah 40, 30 through 31 says, Even youth uh, youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Another really great promise to us from God in the midst of our waiting, that for those who wait upon the Lord, their strength will be renewed, promise. They mount up with wings like eagles, promise. What does that mean? Eagles are known for their strength, for soaring above storm clouds to get to safety. And that word mount up in the Hebrew means to go up and to ascend. So when it says that those who wait for the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles, it's saying God promises that he will provide renewed strength and courage to overcome obstacles. God also promises in the same verse that those who wait on the Lord will run and not get tired. Promise. And they will walk and not faint. Promise. As we wait upon the Lord, we will find rest in him and will be renewed in him. And if you are looking for rest in this season of waiting, Jesus says all we have to do is come to him. I think our waiting would be a lot easier if we would just go to God first and find rest instead of trying to go to other things to find peace that can only be found in Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way the Lord be with you all. Everlast, let your waiting say, my soul is at rest in the Lord. Because of God's promises, I can rest in the waiting. Third and final point, if you're taking notes, because of God's promises, I can rejoice in the waiting. Psalm 13, 5 through 6 says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I heard it once said, if faith is the beating heart of a Christian's spiritual anatomy, then praise is the healthy pulse. Meaning, praise is a really good gauge if you have a healthy pulse in your walk with the Lord. Praise is evidence that in the midst of your waiting, you are relying on, trusting on, and believing in the promises of God. Psalm 13, 5 through 6, David so eloquently with his words paints this beautiful uh, picture of a heart that is rejoicing in the Lord and one that is filled with praise and adoration to God. 
And yet, if you read Psalm 13 or have read it before, then you know those verses of rejoicing come after a heart that is pleading and crying out to the Lord in anguish and in agony. Psalm 13, just a few verses before what we just read, starts off with a very familiar verse that a lot of us know that says, how long, O Lord, will you, forget, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long, how long, how long, how long? David is waiting on the Lord, and his words in prayer to the Lord is one of pleading and distress. How long? And there are many of us in the room tonight, myself included, who have asked the Lord this question regarding your circumstance, who are currently asking this question regarding your waiting season. How long, O Lord? And what I love about this psalm and David's cry to the Lord is that so often we hear rejoice in the Lord and we're like, yeah, that sounds awesome when life is going good, right? It's easier to praise God when everything is 75 degree weather and things are going your way, right? It's a lot harder to praise the Lord in the midst of trials and sufferings and seasons of waiting, And I love this passage because it sheds light on the fact that David struggled in his waiting. He asked questions to God about his waiting. And so often for believers, uh, for those who are believers in the room, when trials hit or you're in a season of prolonged waiting and it's hard, we get this false misconception that because I'm a believer, I have to put on a brave face, face, right? Nothing's wrong here. And when someone asks me, hey, Tina, how are things going? My reply has to be, good. It's good. Everything's great. It's awesome. So good. And in reality, you are on the verge of breaking down. But David doesn't do that here. He's honest with with God, crying out under his circumstance to the one who is over his circumstance, meaning I am crying out in my circumstance to the one who can do everything about my circumstance. When scripture calls us to rejoice in the Lord, it's not us trying to muster up enough feelings or out of a fake or coming from an unauthentic place. Right? We can rejoice in the Lord in our waiting and in our current circumstance, trials, or whatever may be difficult because God promises salvation. Which is why David, in just a few breaths later, after he says, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? He is able to say, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. And it wasn't that in those few breaths that David's circumstance had all of a sudden changed. It wasn't that what he waited for had finally been answered. Deliverance hadn't arrived for him yet. But he praises and rejoices in the Lord because of God's promises to us that he is God and his salvation is secured. Philippians 4.4 4 says, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Those words are from the Apostle Paul who was writing to the church of Philippi, instructing them and encouraging them in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And when you read that, that sounds like Paul is having a great season, right? He's, praying the, he's praising the Lord always. Things must be going great for him. But as many of you know, Paul is writing this letter of rejoicing in the Lord as he is sitting in a dirty prison cell held captive by his enemies. Paul himself is in a hard season of waiting as he sits in his cell writing to his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And Everlast, I would just ask, what would your letter look like if you were in prison? What would your letter look like? Dear mom, help. Get me out of here. I'm scared. This sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I don't want to wait anymore. I can't do this anymore. What if I never get out of the season of waiting? Waiting. What if I die here? What if this is my life from now on? What if I never get married? What if I never have kids? What if nothing changes? What if, what if, what if? Sound familiar? Clearly, none of us in the room are currently in prison, but you may be in a season of waiting. And a great question to ask is what words are coming out of your mouth in the season of waiting? Words of praise or words of protest? And again, that's not to say we can't be honest uh, in this season. We should. But am I spending all my energy, breath, and words only talking about the things that are going wrong and the things that haven't happened yet? That my speech is one that is filled with words of constant grumbling. John 6, 43, Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. Philippians 2, 4, 2, 14, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. James 5, 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I love, uh, again, how um, writer John Bloom says it. He says, grumbling complaints directly or indirectly declare that God is not sufficiently good, faithful, loving, wise, powerful, or competent. In other words, grumbling shows and declares what we believe about God and his promises. And in our waiting season, our words will reflect and show one who trusts God or one who doesn't. The reason Paul and David are able to rejoice in the waiting is because of God's promises. Now, some of you may be sitting there like, okay, hold on, Tina. What about the first part of Psalm 13? Before David was rejoicing in the Lord, right? When J David was, was talking to God, he is crying out in his distress, how long, how long, how long, O Lord? What, what about that? Everlast, there is a big difference in lamenting and a big difference in grumbling, Grumbling proclaims that we don't really believe in that moment who God is and what his word says to be true. 
lamenting is crying out to God. It's us pouring out our hearts to him. And listen, God wants us to cry out to him. He he wants us to pour out our sorrow and anger and fear and longing and confusion, repentance, disappointment, etc. And you see this throughout many of the Psalms. In fact, Bible scholars have somewhat categorized the Psalms, and there are Psalms that are categorized as Psalms of lament. Right? The Psalms of lament are ones of expressing deep grief and sorrow. Lamenting is biblical. Grumbling is not. And instead of grumbling, David and Paul use their words to rejoice. And the reason they rejoice is because of God's promises. And we too should rejoice in the Lord because of his promise that, listen, that for those who place their faith in Jesus, we get Jesus. We get salvation because of Christ. He promises us that, that that for those who place their faith in Jesus will have eternal life, John 3, 16. He promises that there is no condemnation, there is no death or damnatory sentence for those in Christ, Romans 8, 1. He promises that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Romans 10, 9 through 10. And therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Let us worship and rejoice in the Lord for our salvation that is promised uh, for those who are in him. We can rejoice in the waiting because of his promises to us.